0: of some red sweaters out there today. Happy Valentine's Day. Good to see everybody. We are in a series looking at the stories of Jesus. And if you look through the Gospels, uh, many of Jesus' teachings were in the form of stories. In fact, about one-third of all of Jesus' teachings... We're in the form of stories or parables, and we're looking at all the parables of Jesus that we see uh, in the Gospels and what it can teach us here today. For those who had ears who wanted to hear, Jesus's stories and his teachings transformed their lives. For those whose hearts were hardened and didn't want to hear, it was a stumbling block for them. And... So my prayer for you is, as we go through these stories of of Christ, we would get a correct understanding of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we come into Christianity with wrong expectations. And I want, I want us, and what we're going to do is not only study the parables of Jesus, but we're just going to look in the character of Jesus after we study the parables of Jesus. Because I believe the way we make it through this world is to have a correct understanding of who Jesus is and why he came and what our purpose is in his kingdom. So what I mean by expectations, if you come into the kingdom of God, if you come into a relationship with Christ, you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to lay my life down and follow him. But if we come with this expectation that our life is, is is going to be fine and easy and things are going to work out for us. How many know you're going to get discouraged really quickly? And what Jesus did was through these parables, he gave his listeners and his followers the correct understanding of how we are to live within the kingdom of God in our everyday life. And I just pray today that this word, this teaching of Jesus would encourage you today. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of discouragement in our world today. There's a lot of discouragement, even within Christians, seeing what's going on around us. And it's so easy to get discouraged and miss what God is doing. And I believe that this teaching of Jesus will recalibrate us to understand what our purpose is for the times that we're living in today. And how do we fit into God's kingdom to have a correct understanding, to have the correct expectations so that we don't get discouraged? Listen, how many know life just stinks at times? It just does. And there are things that can so easily discourage us if we're not understanding God's word and what Jesus said. And that doesn't mean that that everything in our life is going to be easy, that that we're not going to have problems. We are. And that doesn't mean that God has left us or his love has left us, but it's an expectation of reevaluating our lives and understanding what Jesus' purpose is and what the kingdom of God is all about. Mark 4.33 explains why Jesus spoke in stories. Listen to what it says here. It says, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. See, many of Jesus' teachings were in this form of of parables or stories. And so what is a parable? Well, a parable, we looked at this last week, is literally, it means something cast along something else. A parable literally means something that is cast along something else. So what Jesus would do is he would use the story to illustrate this truth. I I love stories. I love stories that illustrate a truth because it it helps me to understand that concept. It helps me to wrap my mind around it. So for those who are listening during Jesus' times, it would help them understand the kingdom of God, who Jesus was, and his purpose coming to earth. And so he would use an earthly story to illustrate a heavenly truth. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a story where Jesus takes an earthly truth, an earthly concept, and he's going to relate it to a a heavenly concept or a, a heavenly truth to help people understand the purpose of the kingdom of God. Because people during Jesus' time had a wrong understanding of what the Messiah would do when the Messiah would come to earth. Their expectations were completely different. And so what Jesus does is he uses these two small illustrations, these two small parables, to help us and to help the people who are following Jesus to understand this is how the kingdom of God looks. This is what the Messiah looks and the setting up of God's kingdom when he first came. So let's look at Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 18 through 21. And we're going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. Listen to what Jesus says here. It says, Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate this so you can understand? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden, and it, and it grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. And then he goes on to talk about the parable of the yeast. He said he also said, what else is the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So what I want you to see is, look at these two stories, these parables. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like something that started small and grew to something large and massive. Also, he says the kingdom of God is like something you can't see, something you may not see with your eyes, but yet it permeates everything to change it. And so I want to dig into these two parables to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. Now, I want you to notice, what does Jesus compare the kingdom of God to? Well, he compares it to a tiny mustard seed that grows into a large seed, and a little bit of yeast can permeate every part of the dough. Both small at first, yet create significant changes. Both small at first, but eventually will create significant changes. Now, I want you to catch this, because Jesus' listeners would need to understand this if they understood the purpose of the Messiah coming to earth for the first time. And I think this is going to help us understand God's purposes for His kingdom of God and how we fit into that. Now, when I when I you know when I think of the the parable of the mustard seed, you think of the small little tiny seed that grew into this large large tree. And I think about um, those of you that are, are plant lovers. How many of you are just a green thumb? You love plants. You your house is plants. You love gardening. You're, you're plant people. You are just plant people. Um, my wife loves plants. <laughs> Our whole house is full of plants it 's a forest in there it 's a jungle. We keep the heat up to about eighty five so we can keep the greenhouse going i mean it 's just a jungle in there and, and how, how many of you like man pastor i 'm not a plant person. When I get a plant, it dies two days later. I, I forget about it the thing 's dry I, you know so some of you are plant people, some of you are not, but it reminds me of this plant, thinking of small things and then growing larger uh, my my sister in law, Kathleen's sister, bought her a fiddle plant a couple years back for her birthday. And you know, you have a nice little fiddle plant, for those who know what it is, it's a pretty plant. It was about this big. This thing has taken over our house. I got a picture of the fiddle plant. I took it this morning. Here you go. This thing now that's the top of our stairs. This thing is sixteen feet high. It's taking over. I think our dog is in there somewhere. Just crowded out by the fiddle plant. But I just remember this thing started, I don't know if it just loves our house or where it is, it's just the fiddle plant just, we, we've changed planters, the pot, like 45 times to accommodate this big fiddle plant. And this just reminds you that these small beginnings grow into something large. At first, at first, right, you don't see the changes. At first you don't see it until... It grows and grows and grows. And it amazes me. I mean, think about the English language. Just think about the twenty-six letters in the English language and and the the masterpiece of literature and works that came out of these few twenty-six letters. I think of two outstanding writers that I like are J. R. R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings, and C. S. Lewis, who wrote the classic series, The Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, these are just these these men had incredible ways of writing incredible stories with just 26 letters in the English language. I I think about, you know, living up here in Rochester, you you think about snow. You see how pretty it is when the snow just kind of falls, and it's light, and it's airy. And all of a sudden, it begins to pile up, right? And then all of a sudden, you have to shovel it. You're like this light, fluffy little snow all of a sudden accumulates, and then it throws your back out, right? Or you have to drive in it, right? Or you think of the sand. You know, you look at the... The the seashore, if you like, going to the ocean, you look at all the little, tiny, minute grains of sand that make up that whole beach. And I always say to myself, you know, the beach would be great if it wasn't for the sand and the salt water. Wouldn't it be fun if it wasn't for those two things? Because, like, you go to the beach and you find sand in your ear like a month later. You're like, yes, I can't get the sand out of my ear. But it's amazing, just this small little insignificant thing how altogether how it makes something great. And this is what Jesus wants us to understand. He wants us to understand what the kingdom of God is like. So let me give you some background here to the parable of the mustard seed and yeast. Now, here's Israel. Israel had this understanding that when the Messiah came, he would deliver them from all oppression. So this is their expectation. They have this expectation that when the Messiah comes, they're going to deliver them from all oppression. And at this point in Israel's history, they're under Roman rule. And so they had this impression that the kingdom of God was going to come with a big bang and overcome their adversaries. Now, we know that through reading the word of God that Jesus is going to come back as king of kings and lord of lords. But his first coming had to deal with something different. His first coming came to deal with our sins, to give his life for our sins, that we could find forgiveness of our sins through the perfect work of Jesus Christ. You see, their expectations were completely different from what Jesus was showing them. And it's interesting, we can see this in the way when Jesus entered Jerusalem before his crucifixion. Remember the story, Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they're shouting what? What are they shouting to Jesus? They're shouting Hosanna, which means to save. They're they're shouting this Hosanna to a Savior, to a Messiah, that they thought were going to rescue them from this political oppression from Rome. So they're shouting Hosanna. They're shouting, save, save, save. You're going to be the one that's going to save us. You're the one that's going to deliver, deliver us from this oppression. But there was a clue there of how Jesus entered Jerusalem. It gives us a clue to every single one of us that that wasn't his purpose for his first coming. How did Jesus ride into Jerusalem? He rode in on what? A donkey. Now, if you've got a Messiah that's coming to rescue you from Roman oppression, you're not going to be riding in on a little donkey, right? That ain't cool. What are you going to be riding in on? You're going to be riding in on a horse, Right? And we see that in the book of Revelation when Jesus comes back. He's riding in on what? A white horse, king of kings and lord of lords. Because we know that he's going to set up his kingdom rule. But the first time he comes in on a humble donkey, on a fold of a donkey that showed us that this Messiah would be our suffering servant to give his life for us. Now, we would think in our own hearts, wait, this doesn't make sense. This isn't the Messiah we're looking for. Listen, I think we are more like those people than those who would think, oh, I understand why Jesus is coming. I understand that he's coming to rescue us from our sins. I think we would be more like those that would say, no, I'm looking for someone to rescue me, rescue me from all my problems. Listen to me, just catch me. Those online, those listen, 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 listen. This is where we get it wrong in Christianity. I think sometimes we want a Jesus or a Savior that's just going to come and just say, oh, just rescue me from all my, my problems and just make life easy for me, make life better. Can you do that, Jesus? We don't realize the reason why Jesus came was to give his life for our sins. And listen, that doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. And that doesn't mean that life doesn't come with its blessings. But I want you to realize the reason Jesus came was to deal with your biggest problem. And that was our sin. To rescue us, to redeem us. Now listen, being redeemed and rescued and forgiven is a joyful thing. It's a wonderful thing because now we've been set free from the bondage of our past to be made new creations in Christ Jesus, and that should give us a joy. But that doesn't automatically give us a free pass from the troubles of this world. Can I get an amen? Anybody out there? Good, you're listening. Good. Listen, so that's the wrong expectations. And so Israel had the wrong expectations and so Jesus comes in as this symbol. Listen, this symbolic gesture of riding in on a lowly donkey, a, a warrior, a messiah who's going to rescue from political oppression would not ride in on a donkey. I don't see too many donkeys of war riding in during <laughs> war. I don't see because you're going to get. I mean, you can basically run faster than you can a donkey, right? It's, they're workhorses. They're, they're, they're humble. They're they're used for something completely different. And that, that's what Jesus' purpose was. See, the disciples are probably thinking to themselves, this makes no sense. You see, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast show us how God's kingdom would come and how God's kingdom would work. And I want you to see that Jesus' story of the mustard seed and leaven is actually to encourage us. It's actually to encourage us, to give us a right perspective of what God is doing through his kingdom. And so I want to break these two down for you and see what it teaches us. So why does Jesus use the example of this mustard seed and yeast to describe the kingdom of God? What Jesus is basically teaching is, is not for us to overlook small beginnings. Do not overlook small beginnings. From a small seed comes a large tree where birds can nest and find food. The mustard seed is the smallest agricultural seed in Israel. The mustard seed or mustard bush can grow to heights of twelve feet. And so Jesus uses an example because everybody would understand that he's using the small agricultural seed in Israel to say, listen, listen to how large and, and all of you know the mustard, you know the mustard tree and how large it grows to, to, to twelve feet where it can actually house and feed birds. So Jesus' listeners would be confused. They're, they're probably confused, and they're thinking that the kingdom was going to come with this power and judgment and apocalyptic power, right? Have you ever thought that way? Like, God, bring your judgment right now. Like, would you just judge? That person just cut me off. Just bring that police officer half mile down the road and just pull him over. And I know some of you, that's happened. Someone sped by you and then you saw him a half mile, a mile down the road, pulled over and you went by and went, nah, 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 nah. See, you got what was coming to you, right? Well, that's (laughs) Isn't that the waywardness of our hearts? We're terrible. We are. We're terrible. And I am too at times. We are. See, see, what Jesus is trying to show them is listen, the true power, listen, the true power of the kingdom of God comes from a changed heart. Not by overthrowing the government and doing that's not why Jesus came. He came to change hearts. The reason why the church, listen to me, church, listen. The reason why the early church was so powerful was because of persecution. The reason why we see the greatest moves of God around our world today are in the places in our world where the government oppresses Christianity. That's It's just fact. That's where we see the, 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 the greatest movement of God. Because, listen, the kingdom of God cannot be suppressed by any government or any rules or any dictate that would come against it. So listen, God's kingdom will prevail, period. It will. Don't lose fret. Don't be fretful. Don't be be afraid. God's kingdom will prevail. And so what he's saying is it starts in small ways. It starts in humble ways. See, the kingdom of God for you starts when you bow your knee before the lordship of Jesus Christ and you say, I bow my heart before you, Jesus, and I need a Savior, and I can't do it without you. There's a humility to that. There's a, there's a way of thinking to yourself, or like, God, I can't do it without you. I understand, Jesus, why you came, and I'm a sinner, and I'm lost, and I've messed up, and I need you. That, that's where it comes from. It starts small. It starts with Humility that bows our hearts before the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's how the kingdom of God starts. A small seed comes from that, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. So Jesus' listeners at this point would be confused because they're thinking judgment, they're thinking power, they're thinking bring judgment, but eventually, eventually we know that God will judge the world. However, we're living in a time where we can call out to God's grace and mercy and find forgiveness. Amen? Thank God for that. So Jesus, in his first coming, dealt with our sins. Jesus took our sins on the cross and bridged that gap between God and us. So Jesus' point of the mustard seed is, even, it, it, even though it starts small, it's going to end huge. And that's Jesus' home point. It starts small. It's humble. But we see big results at the end. And so the kingdom of God will cover the earth. Jesus will return to set up his earthly kingdom. And Jesus will come again as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I can wrap my head around that. I can. I don't know about you, but I can wrap my head around um, Jesus coming back, setting up his earthly kingdom. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can wrap my head around that. The part I struggle with is the leaven part. It's, it's the things I don't see because I want to see stuff. I want to see stuff happening, right? It's, it's the leaven. It's this microscopic thing that you don't see, but as it permeates the bread, it creates great changes. And without that, the bread would not grow. See, that's where I struggle when I don't f- see things happening as quickly as I want to see them happen. When I don't see behind the curtain of what God is doing, and that's where like, I want to take control and I want to see more action. But, but through this parable, what we're going to see is God is permeating in small ways that you may not see, but we need to remain faithful to allow God to do what God needs to do. So this tiny piece of leaven, as we switch over to this, the, the, the parable of, of the yeast of the leaven, can permeate a large ball of dough. And so what Jesus does is Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God prevails even though it doesn't look like it at first. Even though it may not be on our and or something that we may see with our physical eyes, we know that God is working behind the scenes. And this is what's hard for me to understand at times when I don't see it or I don't see it happening quickly enough. See, not only will we see God's kingdom cover the earth, but the parable of the leaven, we will see God's kingdom infiltrate the earth. And this is this is so important for us to understand because this is where we play a huge part in the expanse of God's kingdom on how we live that out every day in our lives and how we influence others around us. It's this little bit of leaven that changes the whole dough, that changes the bread, to cause it to grow. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if it's because... I'm Italian, I got a little bit of Italian in me. I love bread. You know, I'm I don't know, how many of you are just bread lovers? You just listen. Yes, I Listen, this is I it's a problem for me. I think I need to go to a bread anonymous or something because I got issues. So, I know what the grocery stores do. I know they're pumping the bread smell throughout the store to lead you over to the, you know, to the bakery section. And my wife is so disciplined. You know, I I, this is crazy. I'm gonna just be honest with you. I walk in, there's one store. You walk in, as you first walk into the store, they have a huge display. I think they know I'm coming. I think they know I'm coming. They have a huge display of their ultimate chocolate chip cookies right there. Kathleen goes right by like it's no big deal. She's so disciplined and she goes right to the vegetables. What do I do? I'm looking at the cookies. Do I want to buy these? I know I want to buy them. Sure enough, they're going... And then, and then I go from there. It's like breadcrumbs. It's from there. I take a leftover into the bakery. And then I just... I pull out a chair. I usually bring my lawn chair with me. Just put it out. And just read a book and just smell the bakery smell. How many you are like me? You just, you just like that. Listen, there... there oh, there's this bread that a grocery store puts out called garlic Tuscan bread. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I need to go to Tuscan Bread Anonymous because I am addicted to that. So that is just, it's just... Okay, I've got to move on. It's just so good. It's so good. i Here's the thing that's interesting about Jesus' parable with the bread and the yeast. Everybody would get it. Everybody would understand this. Because th- that was the staple. Bread was... The staple, Jesus shares this parable because making bread would be something that everyone could understand. So here, here's the deal. Some of you that understand that, that if you make your own, own bread, to, to make a new loaf, you would, you would take some of the fermented dough from the old loaf and place it in the fresh loaf. You'd continue to do this so that you, it could cause the bread to rise. So what Jesus is saying here is the yeast influences the whole loaf. That's Jesus' point. So when Jesus speaks of leaven, he's talking about a permeating influence. And what the kingdom of God does is the kingdom of God permeates the world. It it starts small. And think about just the starting of the church, the 120 that were praying on the day of Pentecost. And from that 120 disciples, it went out into the street and from there 3000 people were added to the church they permeated they influenced their culture around them through the gospel message so what it did is it didn't it wasn't overtaking the government they went from the inside out where it changed people's hearts and then it permeated throughout their culture are you hearing me it's here it's here. Jesus saying, how are we influencing those around us? It has to start here. And so the church grew through tremendous persecution. That's how the church grew. The kingdom of God could not be stopped. The, the, the permeating effect of the kingdom of God could not be started. And from those 120, you and I are sitting here today. 2,000 years later, the kingdom of God is still moving forward and lives are still being changed. I would say 3,000 in one day is a pretty good day. It's amazing what God did. See, I want you to understand, someone influenced you, and you're here today because someone influenced you with God's message. Someone influenced you. Someone lived out the gospel before you and showed you what the kingdom of God was about, showed you what a relationship with Christ was all about, told you about, what Jesus came to do to, to you. And I, and I just, you know, I love the, the, you know, we, listen, many of you know my story. We were raised in church, but we weren't taught the gospel. We just went to church because it was the religious thing to, to do. And many of you are the same way. You went to church because, you know, that was, that's what you were supposed to do, but you just went on Sunday and you just lived like the devil the rest of the week. <laughs> you just lived the way you want. And um, it wasn't until my dad's life changed and I love the story of my dad that there was a coworker at Eastman Kodak that his whole life changed. And he began to be a follower, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. And my dad would work very close with this guy. And he's like, Man, what what happened to you? I mean, you used to you were like this and now you're like this and you're talking about Jesus all the time. What is going on? And so the guy says, Why don't you let's on our break, let me sit down and, and share with you about what happened in my life. In Eastman Kodak a co-worker shared with my dad on, on how he became a follower of Jesus Christ and how Jesus wants to do the same in his life, how he explained the gospel message of dying for his sins. And there, in a break room at Eastman Kodak, my dad became a follower of Jesus Christ. And from there, he went home, and my mom thought he was crazy. What happened? What cult are you following now? Right? What happened? And I said, no, no. I became. And then eventually my mom became a follower of Christ. And then it it went through our whole family. It was the influence. See, for me, it wasn't for my parents that they're just doing this new religious thing. My parents at home were the same as they were at church. There was this authenticity that I saw a real change in their life that could only come through Christ Jesus. And I saw it, and I witnessed it. Now, at first, I was against it. I, you know, you know. I was like, okay, that's good for you guys. Remember, someone ever tell you that? That's good for you. Good for you. Glad you found religion. No! We found Jesus, not religion. God forbid, found religion. And so, through my dad and through the influence of, of my parents and through neighbors who were Christians, we saw a Christianity that we didn't see before. We saw a picture of who Jesus was that we didn't see before, that it's actually a relationship that actually changes your life. It's not about just going to church and doing some religious calisthenics. It's about a life change. It's about a transformation. And the thing about my parents, they, they did a couple things right. They did a lot of things right, but my parents are crazy, but they did a couple things really well. They always would try to put me in the, in the atmosphere so I could hear God's word so that, so that God's word would permeate my heart. Now, here's where we go wrong, because I know some of us, we just want to sit people down. We want to say, okay, I'm going to give you the word, and we slap them with the Bible, and you need to get right, and you know, we try to force the kingdom of God on them. How, how does that work for all of you? How does that work so far? Not very good. And you know, God bless my parents. They were... My mom, God bless her, she would, you know, she'd hear a message and I'd be sitting in church with them before I became a Christian. She's like, oh, this message is for you, Bart. Come on, come down to the altar. Let's pray. And she'd try to draw. I'm like, mom, I'm not ready. I mean, I'm just, it's great. And, but I'm just, I, I, I'm not ready. And then, you know, she'd be sneaky and she would leave scripture verses on my pillow. And, uh, but you know what? I remember those scripture verses to t- t- today. <laughs> See, it's the word of God that began to permeate my heart. Now, I was resistant to it. But I remember hearing my parents pray for me. Like, why are they praying for me? I'm fine. I'm good. But it, it was permeating my heart until one day, 16 years old, that youth group, I came to become a follower of Jesus Christ in 1982. And I remember I didn't tell my mom for a couple days. <laughs> because I knew she'd get all hyper. So she's like, after a couple of days, she goes, Did something happen at Wednesday night at a youth group? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I became a follower of Jesus. But you know what? It was their influence. It was those small seeds that they placed in my life that I could see the difference in them. Don't overlook small beginnings. I know some of you You've been praying for your kids or a family member, and it's so hard because you're like, man, I just don't see any difference. Sometimes it just seems like it's getting worse, right? Listen, the point of this is that we are to be that example. That we are to be that living example of what Jesus does and how he changes our hearts, and we, we, we look for those opportunities to love and to show mercy and to show who Christ is and to look for those open doors to share who Jesus is, but we have to do it by our example and how we live that out before the Lord. So it's easy to get discouraged because we don't see what's going on behind the scenes because we we want it to happen yesterday, right? But how many know that God has his timing? God has his timing, and I've got to rest in that knowing that he is the one that is ultimately in, in control of the seed. And so as we live that and as we look for opportunities to share that with other people, we have to remember in our own lives just to be faithful to what God is doing. Listen, the most powerful thing you have in your arsenal is prayer. And praying for that person, not giving up, and allowing God to do his work that he needs to do in that person's life. And not to get discouraged because ultimately God does the work. There's an interesting um, story that I read from from a message and um, talking about, you know, the small influence of uh, the yeast and, and, and how it permeates the dough. And, I, and it was just a symbolic, and I never I never heard this before, this teaching before, and I thought it was very interesting. And um, it's a story about a, a Jewish girl when she was getting married. It's a true story about a Jewish girl when she was getting married. And the mother would give her something on her, on her wedding day. And what the, what the mother would do for, for her daughter is she would give her a small piece of dough from the last bread that she made. And so as this Jewish girl was getting married, she would receive the special gift from her mother, and the mother would give her a small piece of leaven from her last dough. And this first loaf of bread that she would make in her new marriage would come from her mother's leaven. I thought this was really interesting. And I was like, well, what is, what's the symbolism of this? The symbolism of this is this. The symbolism is that all that is good, all the best, was to be carried into their marriage and their family. All the good from her parents' life would be given to them. It was, it was a blessing. This is, this is part of us that we want to give to you. You see, it was symbolic of a righteous seed carried into the next generation. See, my question for us today is what legacy are we leaving? What, what seed are we leaving for the next generation? How, how am I living that out before my life? Paul, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, encourages them not to get discouraged. He encourages them not to get discouraged. In Philippians 1:6, he says, Being confident of this, that he that began a work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He that began a good work, he will be faithful to continue it until the day of the revealing of Christ Jesus. And I thought to myself, what what tracks are we leaving behind our life? What seed are we leaving behind in in our lives? You see, for me as a parent, I want I want my kids to grow in the Lord obviously, and I know you parents want 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 the same thing for for your for your family. Listen, Some of you, you're discouraged today because of what you see what's going on in our world. You may be discouraged because of what you see going on in your family. Here's here's where I want to encourage you today. Remain faithful. Continue to pray. Continue to live that life before them, before this world. Listen, you may never know just your kind gesture to somebody at work telling them that you're praying for them. It may come back later. It may not come back the next day, but maybe two months later, they're going through something and they just come up to you and say, you know what? Thank you for praying for me. I'm going through something. Can I talk to you? There's the seed. There's the seed. Listen, we spend, I think we spend our lives running after things, running after the wind that, that produce no good fruit. That produced, that, that, that type of seed does not cause anything to grow. I want us to, as a church, to recalibrate the way we think about the way we live our lives sometimes and not get caught up in the fruitless deeds that don't make a difference in the kingdom of God. So let's, let's look at the way we live our lives. Let's Listen, if there needs to be reconciliation in your family, as a follower of Christ, be the one that works at reconciling. Be the one that walks in humility. Be the one that sets the course. Be the one that lives that example of the way Christ wants you to live. That's how the kingdom of God grows. It starts small, right? It starts small, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. The problem is this. Am I trying to get ahead of God? Am I trying to get ahead of his will? Or am I saying, God, let me live the way you want me to live before you? Let me be that influencer that you want me to be for the right things. Because at the end of the day, what only matters is what we do for Christ. That's the only thing that matters. At the end of your life, the only thing that's going to matter is what are the things that we've done for Christ. And the other things, it's not that they're bad, but what is our main calling? Our main calling is the body of Christ is to allow God's kingdom to grow. So how am I leaving that legacy? What is my example of how Jesus wants me to live before this world? So listen, for those of you that are discouraged today, maybe with our world or maybe in relationships, do not lose hope. Do not give up. Keep praying. Keep being that example and allow God to use you for his purposes and his glory. That is what the church is supposed to be. That's how we grow God's kingdom. We come into it in humility and we need to live in humility as we walk before Jesus Christ. Amen? Father God, we just bow our hearts before you today. Lord, I thank you for the people who have influenced my life through your precious message of the gospel. And I, I know, Lord, there are so many things in our world that are distracting us today, that are pulling us away from the message that you want to lay in our hands. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in humility as Jesus rode in on a donkey. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be humble, that we would have a servant heart in the forefront of our mind as we serve this world. That through that, we are laying seeds. That even though we may not see them, even though yeast is microscopic, it makes changes. It takes time, but it makes changes. Help us not to realize that you're the one that does the changing. You're the one that grows your kingdom. Help us to be faithful to the calling that you've placed in each and every one of our hearts, to be faithful to your kingdom. Because at the end of the day, it's about hearts. It's about lives that are changed for Christ not my preferences, not what I want, God, but what you want. So we lay our will at your feet. I thank you for this church, God. And I pray that we would stay steadfast to your message in these really brutal times, God. That we would stay steadfast to what you're doing because we know ultimately your kingdom will prevail. And that should give us hope, knowing that you're a sovereign God, that you're ultimately in control. So Lord, help us to live the way you desire us to live, that, God, the gospel message would be in the forefront of our mind in all that we do individually and as a church. And I pray for those here today that are just discouraged, that they may be praying for a family member or or their children, Lord. I pray, God, that you would encourage us today knowing That God, we need to remain faithful to you and continue to pray for them that you're working behind the scenes in areas and things that we don't see or know about, but knowing that you are faithful, God. So help us never to lose sight of that, that it's in your timing, and let us rest in that. So we thank you, Lord, for your encouragement. We thank you for your word today. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for his word today? He's so faithful. God is good. Amen. Listen, listen. I know Pastor Brandon had a wonderful message a couple of weeks ago about praying for individual people in our lives. And listen, I we've got some prayer cards in the back um, at the giving box go online. There's a prayer tab there. If, there if, if you want us to agree with you in prayer for people that you're praying for, please take advantage of that. We pray for that on Tuesday night at our, our prayer time here at the church and staff meeting. We pray for all those needs. We want to agree with you for those that you're praying for. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's some discouraging thing that you're going through. We want to be able to pray with you. How many know we're doing this together? We're walking this walk together and we need each other. So please take advantage of that because we want to pray with you and we want to walk with you through that and and allow the Lord to encourage you in your walk with him. Amen. I love you guys. Enjoy your Valentine's Day and uh, we will see you next week. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.